right, welcome to episode 11 of Taste Buds. Episode 11. Lasting through 10, on to 11. Took a couple week break. Another couple week. We can't even, we don't even need it. We're, we're, we should just do a bi-weekly show at this point. I know, at this point, yeah, we're, we're too inconsistent. No, it's good. It's, it's, all, it's all good, but we got some good content today. We have a good interview. Great a really, guest. Really good guest. Just telling us his whole story. My, my high school friend, Joe. Um, working at Mighty Mill, worked at Be Good, lots of interesting stuff in the food industry. So it's really relevant to what we were doing. And it really took me way too long to get him on the podcast. So finally. Yeah, I know. Brandon, what was up with that? No, I know. I wanted to get 10 under a belt before I felt like comfortable. I mean, it's intimidating. Joe, getting Joe on, this is a big get for us. I didn't want to, you know, I needed to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit under our belt before I just jumped right into that. So 10, 10 felt right. So. 10 felt right. Yeah, I get. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so we'll keep know. this, we'll keep this quick. We'll keep this quick because we want to, uh, we want to get to our interview. Um, so let's just get right into it, Brandon. Yeah, let's just do best of the week. Best we got to keep week. these going every week because I know people are dying to hear what we ate and what we watched and what we listened to. So all right, Mike, what was the best thing you ate this week? All right, best thing I ate this week, uh, it was last Friday night. Um, Jack and I went to uh, this place in Providence, Federal Hills. We got a little outside the city, um, and it was called Siena, um, and got the bolognese. Anyone that listens to our show knows I'm a big bolognese guy. It hit on all the bolognese, you know, all the things you need to have to make the great bolognese. Um, and it's just not, I don't even have really much to say other than you it was just gotta just go great. there. You just have to go there. They have the different meats that, you know, we've talked about it's how like the fifth time that we've talked I feel about like the different it's meats. Like, it's got all the different mixes. No, I feel like the, a broken record with bolognese. <laughs> Honestly, you just have to go back through our shows and listen to my breakdown on what makes a great bolognese. What episode was that? Oh, episode three. Or that might've been like three or four. Yeah. Um, it hit on all those. Uh, it's it's. I think it's you know. Shout out Dave Eagle, who that's his that's his. He'll favorite. he'll really appreciate that shout out. Yeah, he'll that's his number one bolognese. He said that to me forever. I think he's right. I think it's I think it's the best. It's at least wow. There's there's no. I don't think there's like a bolognese that's better than that. I think there are like a few that are in the running. Okay. So maybe I'll do a bolognese ranking at one. You have to do it. I, I mean, got to do it. Uh, but yeah, bolognese at Siena, um, excellent. And uh, that was the best thing I ate. Okay. Mine was right across the street in Cambridge. Veggie Galaxy. Fantastic place. Ooh. Honestly, fantastic. I'm not vegetarian or anything, um, but they have, especially for breakfast, just they're I think they're open like all day, all night. But they have one thing on there. A lot of the stuff they have is good, but in especially the vegan milkshakes there. Oof. You feel like you're healthy eating them. I think they're made from like coconut ice cream. So are they healthy? Yeah, I don't know. Probably eh, not. Probably, probably even not. worse for you. They probably have loaded with sugar. But it like something about it saying it, putting the word vegan before it just makes me feel better about it. So um, it was a vegan milkshake. It was a peanut butter chocolate vegan milkshake. It was a little Ooh. different for me to go into this like uh, more of a dessert. Um, but we got the uh, the breakfast and shared. That was that was we we needed to have the sweet. We got like the, the breakfast sandwich and then um, the the shakes to start. A great way to start the day, vegan milkshake. Yeah, I've walked by Veggie Galaxy and I'm always a little hesitant. Just go, it, like, honestly. You know, don't, I don't know. It's like a little intimidating when the place is called Veggie Galaxy. I know. I, it's true. It is intimidating, but I'm telling you that you'll you'll be very surprised. Even the the meat substitutes that they have there are like they're pretty on par. I mean, they're not obviously like it, it's different. It's different, but. The quality is all really good, and everything you order there is, is really good. So Okay, Veggie Galaxy. I've been there a bunch. I'll give it a shot. 
Okay, right. best thing you watched. Okay, so I actually, full disclosure, was going to pick your best thing. That don't uh, spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. So this, is, so we'll get into this in a little bit. But um, I'm not going to get into a whole political discussion. But I'm a big sucker for like election night coverage. I right, like, it still is a sting for me, but it's a sting because of what happened in 2016. But Anytime you can put on CNN for the night and you're kind of like watching as the results come in, I think that's like great. The maps television. they go deep into I, the maps, like and sneaky, like... sneaky, amazing television to like watch as the maps in. You got John King on CNN like filling in the board, like all right, we got this yeah, county yeah, coming yeah. in. We got one, we got one percent. Like, what's 1% even the point in? of showing one percent? Yeah, wrote got, the polls at one percent. They're like, it's oh, like... this guy's leading one percent. He got twenty votes. He's like, yeah. like okay, yeah, yeah. I know, but it is kind of it is great coverage. And Super Tuesday last night, you had the fourteen states going. I still don't um, understand how when like after the polls close, it's like the polls have closed and he's the winner. And he's it's like the winner. wow, that they're they already projected him as yeah. the winner. Like, also, side note, I'm like still waiting for the time that I get exit polled. Like yeah. they they say like oh exit polls showing up in Massachusetts. Like well I'm standing around at the polling station. I'm like where are my exit? Like I'm shouting on out into the distance. Like please someone come up to me. <laughs> I want to be part of an exit poll. That's like one of the goals. All right, that's maybe the general election. You gotta, you gotta wear something flashy. I don't yeah. know, like wear something ma- controversial, like, maybe. Right. Mass like, Massachusetts exit polls. People say they voted yeah. in the last yeah. few days, right. like, or they decided in the last few days. Like, where are all these people? Mike, like, yeah. Or if you, anyone out there is yeah. doing some sort of exit poll, exit and Mike poll. Eagle, Mike, you may want to send out what where exactly the polling station you're going to be at. If you want some crazy answers that'll make CNN, I'll give you some crazy. You'll be answers. that one percent that's like, like, oh, this guy said. He decided just, three years ago. Yeah, like, how is that even possible? Yeah, right. How did he even know the candidates? <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, that that was my best thing I watched. Um, you know, to not trying to make any political statements on this kind of podcast, but it was just uh, it was it's, it's kind of a fun night watching that stuff. Fun. It depends, I guess. It, it, guess it, depends. <laughs> it really depends. Getting okay. a little political yeah, depends we'll on if it's fun or not. I don't know but. if I'll have that same answer uh, election night yeah, okay. uh, in November. Okay, that's the most we're going to get political. Let's yeah. steer clear Let's of steer anything clear, political, but please. That was the best thing I watched. Okay. Best thing I watched, which is also kind of Michael's best thing because I told him about it. No, I didn't tell him, actually. Dave, shout out Dave Eagle. Another, Another shout, shout out. out. Dave Eagle. Yeah, Dave Eagle having a great week. Yeah. McMillions. Ooh. HBO documentary. Whew. It's good. It is it's good. Really I actually haven't good. watched last night's, which is bad. I haven't watched last I'm night's I'm going to watch it tonight. No, it wasn't last or, night. It was Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Um, But it's it's... I love it. So it's, it's essentially, I won't spoil it for anyone, but it's about the McDonald's Monopoly game it was totally rigged. And there was like a lot of like, you know, mob connections and this guy was fixing it. And this crazy story, the FBI got involved and they were trying to track down like, you know, like trace tracing how, how, like how this whole, how this whole uh, thing went down. And it was, it is just super interesting. There's like so many layers to this thing. The story is crazy. They do these funny reenactments. It's like kind of, it, it, it could have been a movie. Apparently, like Damon and Affleck like lost the, the rights to the script to HBO. It's funny. I remember hearing about when Damon and Affleck lost the rights to this uh, to Mark Wahlberg, actually. Like, I guess a lot of Boston guys wanted the rights yeah. to this. But Mark Wahlberg, and then he worked with HBO on it. Um, and I remember reading that and being like, I don't even really remember anything about this. I mean, it was, you know, 2001, I think. So obviously, you know, there are bigger things going on. Um, and so we, you know, we didn't, you know, quite, you know, really remember it. But it's a crazy story. And I guarantee anybody that watches McMillions is going to be like, that's over the age of like 27, 28, is going to be like, 
how did I not remember that this was happening? Because it is a crazy story the way they rigged this game. Right. Yeah. As, as a 28 year old, like it's. I remember hearing. I mean, I remember growing up with the McDonald's Monopoly game. It right. Was, it was everywhere. It but was then everywhere. You almost just forgot about it, and you're like, all right, oh, it kind of went away. Right. And if anyone had asked me, I would have been like, oh, I think thought yeah. they just stopped doing yeah, it. Yeah, they just stopped doing it. Right. But there's a reason why they stopped doing it. Yeah. So so super interesting, um, and definitely worth checking out. They have like these crazy cliffhangers at the end of every episode that like yeah. it really keeps you going. So. All right, so that was that was also kind of the best thing I watched, yeah, but really to, good. Um, but okay. uh, all best right. thing you listen to. All right, so Brandon gets on me every week because I never pick any music. I'm always podcast, uh, so he forced me to pick music this week. Um, so it's a little bit on the basic side. I mean, I really kind of feel like that weekend song, "Blinding Lights," is kind of catchy. It's, it is catchy. Yeah, it's not bad. No, no I think it's no, he's, he's on to something. No, here. first time I listened to it, I'm like, oh, he sold out. Like, this yeah. is a really this is like too poppy, and I know that he's kind of he sold out. Mike Mike Eagle, day one weekend guy. Just no, I, no, he's I not really like wasn't. his old. It doesn't doesn't hit like it's no. Old you stuff. know what I mean? No, I wasn't like I feel like it's like he he probably a lot of people maybe that were huge fans of his probably would say that right? Like yeah. that he no, became right. a very mainstream. Yeah, and I can probably attest to that. I I, I still have a sour taste in my mouth when it comes to like his new stuff just because i love to I, I'm, I'm just I, I don't like being that guy that says oh i loved his old stuff so much but right. I, I like a certain type of weekend and it's more like broken heart weekend right which his new single um after hours i thought was more like in that i think i mentioned that last week um i like blinding lights it's just very like here's a pot like here i'm gonna just run-of-the-mill pop song that is it's it's really it's a it's fire it's electric it's really good like i could it's gonna it's it makes sense it's so popular but i i i really like the the heartbreak weekend which is more of his older stuff and a little bit like the like a couple of his singles that he's released recently i just feel like you know in like two or three years when you listen to like the spotify best of 2016 that'll be on there. and i'll be like oh yeah remember when blinding lights like that uh-huh. was a kind of a catchy song for a minute yeah we'll um, see how the he re, he's releasing an album in a, in a, oh, okay, in so, a couple of weeks so um, we'll see how that how that goes all right so that was my best thing i listened to okay best thing i listened to i'm gonna go with i'm gonna also go with the music one um bryce vine baby girl Oh, this is shout out Vic Gupta. Vic Gupta, big baby girl fan. Um, and it's just a jam. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I get made fun of for it already, but I, I, okay. I don't know. It's always on New Music Friday. Listen to it. Baby Girl by Bryce Vine. He also has Drew Barrymore, which is also kind of a jam. He's kind of like funny, funny songs that that bang. So he's he's good. Okay. So I'll have to listen to that on the way home. I've never heard of that. You will not listen to it. You've said that about four different times and not once have you listened to it. I did listen to <laughs> one. I'll that... listen to Roddy Rich. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I did. I feel like I, <laughs> oh, the box. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I feel like it came on and it was a turned off. Um, uh, yeah, so it's okay to have different tastes. Mike, Mike, Mike is a big Phil Collins guy. So next time Phil Collins comes out with a single, then that's that'll make the best. of it. I did hear that Genesis might be reuni- reuniting. Yeah, reunion tour. No. Yeah. So that. Could what? Be how much do you pay for a Genesis reunion? Uh, not tour as ticket? much as I pay for the Phil Collins uh, one, oh, man, one man show. Uh, don't, even, don't even ask. <laughs> it was um, a gift. It was, but uh, <laughs> but maybe that's why I like Blinding Lights because it's kind of got that '80s feel. Yeah, you're a big '80s guy. You're no, born I'm in the really, '80s. I'm actually born really, in the '80s. No, I'm actually really not a big '80s guy. That's kind of the weird thing about me. I like that tune, but like, I don't love a lot of '80s artists. I mean, maybe like MJ. I, uh, problematic. Problematic. Yeah, but you did like MJ. You I did, did at one point. Yeah. I did love MJ. I mean, who didn't? I mean, yeah, I loved MJ. But uh, all right, so that was our best of. Wanted to make it quick this week because 
Um, we have a really killer interview coming up. Killer. So after the break, uh, we are going to bring on Brandon's friend Joe from uh, Mighty Mill. One Mighty you, Mill. One Mighty Mill. Sorry. Just one. One, one Mighty Mill. Um, and uh, actually, the name might be changing. Yeah, yeah. Rumor, rumor mill is. Oh, yeah. the rumor mill is oh, swirling. Rumor mill. Yes, and uh, he might be breaking some news about one mighty mill. There is maybe. Listen to the end of the interview. He's going to drop a pretty big bombshell. Yeah, about so, something uh, going on in so Rumor yeah, Mill. Talks about you know so talks about the whole company and and uh, he has a really cool career path and in the food industry. So Joe from One Mighty Mill coming up after the break. <laughs> All right, we are very lucky to have on uh, the mastermind behind One Mighty Mill, my high school friend, Joe Ackle, and uh, yeah, really excited to have you on, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Beautiful yeah, so day here. Beautiful day. Yeah, it's basically spring. We're pretty much at spring weather. I know. Brandon, you're wearing a t-shirt right now. I know. I'm not a, not a huge t-shirt in the winter guy, but you know, some of these days, they warrant it, so... Um, all right. So, Joe, you are my only friend that works in the food industry. Yeah, I've been ribbing you for a little bit. I know. He was really pissed he wasn't invited on earlier. <laughs> episode 10. Episode, yeah, we're on episode 11 now. So, Shoot. made it through 10. Now we're on 11. So, we're excited to finally have you have a little bit of a history in the food industry. I do. Um, and most recently, One Mighty Mill. So, definitely going to get you talking about that. Um, give us the, give us the, how many mills does one mighty mill have? We have two mills right now. So do you just keep the name the same? Uh, we're thinking about changing it to one more mighty mill. Really? Oh, no, that... that's a joke. Oh, that was actually pretty good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. That's why he's not in the branding team. He's the CFO, not the CMO. <laughs> so what is your, um, so what do you do at one mighty mill? Actually, should we start with what's like, give us your, your food background in, cool. your, in the industry. Yeah, so actually when I uh, graduated college, I went and worked for a company called Be Good. Uh, so chain of fast casual restaurants. When I started there, there was uh, 20 or so locations. We grew that to over 65 locations, including locations in uh, Europe. So uh, I've been in the food industry, food and beverage industry almost like eight years now, going on eight years now. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty crazy ride. I know. I just like hearing all the stories from it and just like like kind of like being in the friend group and hearing hearing you talking about it. it it's like it, it's a such a unique industry, like the, the food industry. Yeah. And, and especially in the space that we were in uh, fast casual, it got super crowded really, really fast. So you saw like the sweet greens come in around like 2006, which was three or four years after Be Good was started. Um, there was Kava and there's just so many uh, fast casual brands now. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah, so talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about, so first of all, how did you get into the Be Good? Because there's a family connection there. So yeah, the Be sure. Good uh, brand, how did yeah, you, how'd you sure. get in there? So my cousin, Anthony, actually started it with his best friend, uh, John. They uh, they always knew they wanted to work together. Um, they were college athletes and they loved food. So when they got out of college, they, uh, they were each like doing consulting jobs. Um, working for consulting firms. Um, they decided they wanted to do something together and they just happened to decide on a restaurant. I have no idea why. Um, but they thought that, you know, they really love fast food, but they didn't love the way that they, that it made him feel. 
Um, so they decided that they were going to open their own restaurant and solve that problem for themselves. And it was kind of like a novel concept at the time. Um, now you can see like a lot of people doing it. Um, but really it started as almost like a better for you burger chain. Um, and they were making burgers and fries and they were just doing it the old fashioned way, grinding the beef, cutting the fries by hand, um, using real ingredients. And that was sort of like their value prop to start. Um, it transformed pretty quickly into sort of more of a farm to table concept. And it was really one of the first to, uh, kind of connect farms, farmers and real people to the actual food, um, in that fast casual space. You saw a lot of like, uh, high end restaurants start going that way. Um, but nobody was really doing it in fast casual and, you know, now a lot of people are. Right. So Okay, so farm to table is something we've talked about on this podcast. Like, do you think that's been like overplayed by places? Like, do you think that like some something like be good starts and you're trying to do like a a, a reputable thing, you're trying to do the right thing for the consumer by like just focusing on the ingredients. But then don't you feel like restaurants have sort of used that term farm to table and it doesn't even almost mean anything anymore because it's like you don't even really know if how accurate it is. Yeah, I it's a it's a it's a tough question and I don't want to speak for others but what I can speak for us like what we specifically tried to do was connect real people to the food so inside of the restaurants we'd actually have pictures of you know uh, Frank Swazlowski who was like a potato farmer in Hatfield Mass um, and he was like a real person that would pick the potatoes out of the ground oh, wow. and we had pictures that were up on the restaurants that kind of displayed that so it was more like hey this is where your food comes from this is a real person that kind of puts uh, the potato in our supply chain, then that makes the fries for you. And it tastes really great. And customers like that. And I think they like understanding where their food comes from. And we were really trying to be transparent around, you know, where our food was coming from and, and who was supplying it for us. Yeah. So you mentioned like back when Be Good really started taking off, like a lot of other competitors are really getting into the space. Like it was like a novel idea, but a lot of people were jumping in for to like kind of the alternative to fast food because fast food obviously was dominating for so long and there, there needed to be a healthy alternative. So there's a couple other like sweet greens of the, of the world that came in. Yeah. How much like what what is how does the landscape how much has it changed now? Like is that like now that whole category is exploded and there's just there's everyone and everyone and their mother is getting into this category. Can you just talk about like how that how the industry has really changed in the last like six years? Yeah, I think it, it kind of goes along with uh, sort of how consu like consumers have behaved. I think a lot of people inside of the city uh, like people just don't have that much time. Right. And I think like, uh, you know, people are eating out more. Um, and I think like. Uh, it just got super crowded. Like there was a need. Uh, I'm sure you know, you guys know from like working inside the city. Well, not now, but you did at, at one point. Um, you know, you would rather just go grab a bite to eat and do something really quick. And, and uh, yeah, and, and there's just so many different concepts in that space. Um, you know, we opened a restaurant on Summer Street and it was a great restaurant for us. And we were the only concept there for ever there was like a five guys down the street but it was five guys and be good and that restaurant was super busy and by the time like 2017 2018 by the time i was leaving there was you know maybe four or five different other fast casual spots that you could go for for lunch 
and it, I don't know, it just grew so rapidly. Um, it was it was kind of quite amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that it took until just like a few years ago that where where people realized that you wanted a quick meal, but you didn't want to feel terrible afterwards. And you wanted something that like you felt like was healthy, but fast. Like it, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like that this is something like people were just okay with fast food for so right. many years. And then it was just unlocked this whole other industry. Right. Yeah. I mean, but how much did that had to do with like the economies of scale, like of how, you know, it is like, super expensive to, to operate. It's not something that you could like, it's easy. Anyone can just jump no. into the space and create a fast, like farm to table model. Like those two things are conflicting in, in theory. Like they, so like, how, how did you guys like kind of, you had, you have to pass on the price to the consumer yeah, and they have to be well, pricing. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you would walk out of Be Good with like a bowl or a salad and, and your ticket, your average ticket was like $14, $15, which is, it's a lot right. um, for a meal. But I, I think it's becoming more common mm-hmm. and I think people are willing to pay. They have the extra income or the, the disposable income to kind of pay for those prices. And that's what we found. We we kept raising prices um, to to kind of combat the, the rise in the cost of goods. Um, but people would were were willing to pay for you know the quality of the ingredients yeah i find that's like across all food now that you're willing to pay a little bit of a premium if the ingredients are good yeah like you know like we talk about shake shack a lot on this podcast like shake shack's like a little bit more expensive and the burgers might be a little smaller but you're getting like a better product than like a regular fast food place yeah, but that also leads into the fact, like, how Be Good stands right now. Because you're not there anymore. I don't want you to necessarily bash on the company. <laughs> but there, we were talking about this before where, like, there's now – it's kind of in between. Like, a, like if you're going to go for a burger, it's like almost you'd rather go for the Shake Shack burger where it's it's not the healthiest option. It has really good ingredients. But, you know, you know you're getting a really good burger. Um, or you'd go to the sweet green, which is, you know, the, the super healthy, expensive option that, you know, you know, you're eating healthy, but it tastes good to eat healthy. Um, where does kind of be good exist now in that landscape? It's kind of like straddling both in the middle a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's probably a little confusing and I haven't been there, uh, for, you know, over two years now, but, um, I think, I think you're right. Like they, they kind of straddle the line. Uh, they're somewhere in between like the high end burger and like the McDonald's, right? Um, but I think at the time we were trying to be really a, a brand that was for everyone. Um, so it was for like the whole family to come in and, and each person it, within the family could get something. We had kids menus. Um, it drove me crazy, you know, in terms of like <laughs> extra ingredients and, and all these things that we had to get delivered to the restaurant. Um, but we were, we were trying to really be like, a, a a restaurant that you could come with the whole family and everybody could get something, you know, the husband, could get a burger and the wife could get a salad and the kids could get, you know, the grilled cheese. And, um, as a family, you could feel good about what you were eating. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Like it, it got real blurry. We weren't like the super high end burger. We weren't like the, the, uh, the premier salad that sweet green might be. Um, we kind of try to play it in this middle space. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's probably where consumers got confused. All right, so you left Be Good um, how many years ago? Oh, it's good. Uh, two, two years ago. Okay, two years yeah. ago. Now, uh, talk about your next. Uh, talk about your jump over to One Mighty Mail. What, yeah. Give us, give us the, give us the pitch. Or actually, no. Talk about how well, you got so it involved. A, it's actually so. It actually comes uh, 
from be good right so i talked about this idea of um connecting farmers to you know sort of the product so you knew where your potatoes came from we have pictures of the farmer in the restaurant you knew where the zucchini and the tomatoes and those kinds of things were coming from um each like region had a, a bakery a local bakery and we would display the bakery on in the restaurant same deal um but you we didn't really talk about the flour or the actual grain uh the wheat the wheat berry itself um so we would we had like our own special whole wheat uh formula uh for the for the bun itself but we would never talk about really where the product was coming from so that was kind of like a a different take on it right and and the reason was like we never really thought about where the flour was coming from um and actually it it, so when my partner john my partner now uh john left be good it kind of bothered him um so he did all this research he was looking into uh you know where our flour comes from uh w- like why are so many people uh having these gluten intolerances and and why are people afraid of wheat there's really not that much information out there right and so uh because of that he he thought it was an opportunity to kind of explore um so he went to like a a grain conference and he met some farmers um and they're actually like our farmer partners in Maine, um, and they supply the majority of the wheat, the majority of the wheat that we bought in 2019. Um, so they're, they're pretty incredible people. They're growing wheat in the state of Maine, which not a lot of people are doing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where it spun. So, uh, yeah, it kind of came out of this, like, it's similar to what we were doing in Be Good, right? Where we were connecting, uh, the supply chain to the farmer and uh we're just taking it a little more like one step further and connecting uh the farmer of our wheat to products uh throughout the grocery store yeah so you right now are both your retail location so you have you have a brick and mortar <laughs> yeah, store we, we got a lot of businesses which, right you got a brick and mortar <laughs> store which not many people are in there right now and yeah. it's kind of a valiant valiant effort to, to yeah. get into the stay in that business but you're also a supplier for other i'll, I'll let you talk about the different businesses that you guys yeah have. so uh we have a brick and mortar location it's actually in lynn massachusetts um it's it's sort of like an underserved area lynn um, and we wanted it to be placed in somewhere where we could make a difference. Um, so uh, we found this spot in Lynn. The city of Lynn is super supportive of bringing businesses in. Um, and uh, we wanted to really like build this idea of putting a, a physical mill in a location and having that sort of foster like growth of the local economy. So, you know, we employ like 35 people from Lynn. Um, whether they're millers, they're bakers, or they're people that work inside that location. Um, so, and, and, you know, we sell flour to local companies in, in sort of that region. Uh, a, uh, a noodle bar restaurant opened up across the street, which you guys should actually check out. Ooh. Uh, We're noodle bar guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like noodle. Okay. Uh, Rachel is like a, a big-time chef. Uh, she opened her first restaurant. I think she was the executive chef at Copa. I could be wrong Ooh, wow um, but she's a big okay. deal that's so it's a good called, connection it's called nightshade noodle bar I'll give oh her a i've heard about out. that yeah. i've heard about nightshade noodle bar okay i've read about that yeah so um 
so we do things like that. And then uh, by having that location, uh, we actually are a manufacturer ourselves. So we manufacture all of the bagels uh, that we send to grocery stores. So we also sell wholesale. So the reason why, you know, the sales at the at the brick and mortar location are not uh, huge. <laughs> There's not a lot of people walking by Exchange Street in Lynn. Uh, so we're able to sort of like support that location by manufacturing and selling wholesale. Um, and so we make all the bagels and the, and the flour to sell the whole foods. And we have the bagels here. We are eating them currently. They're delicious. Yeah. Mike, what's your one bite score? Excellent bagel. I got an onion bagel right now, a little chive cream cheese that Joe brought in. Joe brought me in the sesame bagel that is, you can only get in the Lynn location. That's so right. you either got to go to Lynn to get the sesame, but they the other flavor, the other varieties are in Whole Foods. Yeah, so we sell three three types of bagels in Whole Foods, uh, plain and everything, and a cinnamon raisin. They're all whole wheat, uh, and they're made with our flour. So. Yeah, I would have never, you told me, so this is a wheat bagel that I'm eating right now, right? 100%. Okay, so I honestly, and I'm not just going to say this because you're sitting right here, I would have never, this is great. This is a great bagel. I mean, this is just a really quality bagel. Yeah, so the, the key to it is, uh, like, the wheat berry, first of all, is soup, is a super grain, right? It's a super nutritious uh, berry. And what people don't realize is, like, what we've done to the wheat berry itself uh, is kind of modified it so that... Uh, the shelf life is longer one and uh you know so that price is like so low it's it's crazy um and by doing that we've basically taken out all the flavor so what we do is we have like an old stone mill which is just two big stone uh slabs of granite and they spin and crush the wheat berry and by doing that like all the fat the germ um and the fiber is still in our flour so it does go bad um but when we make a bagel we obviously freeze it and um you know it has a seven day shelf life so i gotta be honest with you too um and we've talked about this brandon that like the lack of quality bagels in the boston area it's pretty alarming i mean i like you know i'm not trying to bash on anyone but the area i live in, in the seaport is there's not there's no bagel place that i'm going to be going to so um this could be a game changer that I have a, a bagel source. Yeah, you can come visit us in Lynn. Yeah. Yeah, there's one. If the, if you want to find out what the bagel place is, you listen to like episode eight. I think he talks about it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to bash any restaurant, but yeah, I'm, there are no good. <laughs> there are very few bagel places that I, I approve of. But also, not only do you have bagels that you brought in for us, you have. We're going to do a live. Um, Open it up. We got some pretzels. Yeah, 100% so, whole grain pretzels. So you walked in. You you said these are like my baby. What did you mean by that? Those are my babies. So, okay, so when we started the business, we had a problem. We bought a lot of wheat from Maine. Um, and when I say a lot, uh, I mean a field. And that field was <laughs> like uh, 40,000 pounds of wheat uh, that we could not use for bagels. Because bagels... Uh, the structure, you need like a, a really intense structure, I guess, um, to like form a bagel, which means you need like a higher protein, uh, wheat. Okay. The lot of wheat that we bought was year one transitional. So the soil health was not great. Um, which meant that the protein level was really low. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm following. Uh, they are excellent by the way. <laughs> And so, so we had all this wheat, we had all this wheat 
that uh, we couldn't use for bagels. So we had a big problem. And by chance, uh, a manufacturer for a pretzel company came out and came out to Lynn and visited us. And, uh, you know, we went actually down to see them in Pennsylvania. All the pretzel manufacturers are in Pennsylvania. That's a fun fact. Um, Ooh, fun fact. That's yeah. a good one. I don't know. I don't know if that's an actual fact, but there's a lot down there. Um, and we realized, like, you know, there hasn't been much innovation in pretzels in, like, the last 20 years. Really, the only innovation that we've seen at the grocery store level has been, like, pretzel crisps which is basically just a change in, in the, in the format. It's just a flat pretzel that you use for dipping. Um, so what we thought was like, let's actually innovate on the ingredient level, which with our hundred percent whole grain flour, um, you'll get a really great tasting product. And, uh, the nutrition is way better than a regular pretzel. So I think it's like double the, f- it, I shouldn't say, I think it is double the fiber. Um, and it's double the protein. I need some fibers. So this is, yeah, well, talk a little bit about the health because like, I want to know that this is just healthy, that like I'm eating this bagel. I'm it's going to, I'm going to lose weight eating it. It's going to be, well, live, live longer. That. I don't know. Can you not that. guarantee any of that? Just say it. Just say we're going to lose weight. With You're going to lose weight. <laughs> yeah, it just would make me feel a lot better about eating bagels more. Yeah. So like there's this really bad connotation around flour, right? And I just told you that the wheat berry itself is a super nutritious uh, berry. Um, it's got all the vitamins and nutrients, but what we've done with flour is we stripped it. And so basically what we've created like during the industrial revolution was a super industrialized product that doesn't go bad and our body processes like sugar. So what you experience when you, you know, when you eat traditional flour or a product made with traditional flour is, uh, basically you're experiencing a sugar rush. So your body's, uh, processing that as sugar and that's why you kind of see all these low carb diets out there um, our products have fiber they have bran they have fat they go bad um, and so all those nutrients are still in our flour and in our products um, and so i'm not going to say you're going you're <laughs> you're going to be a super healthy guy eating our only our products but uh you know i think it's it's one a better tasting product and two, you can you can read the nutritionals; they are better than than a regular. Um, really, might be a stupid question um, for our listeners out there. I might not know these pretzels say no GMOs. No GMOs. What is a GMO? <laughs> Genetic- should I be worried that I'm eating a lot of GMOs? Yeah. <sighs> Genetically modified organism. Organism. Okay. All right. So, like, will that be on the nutrition facts of my – do they even put it on there? No, they don't put it on there. Okay, they don't put uh, it on there. Wheat, wheat is not technically – all wheat is non-GMO, basically. It's kind of like corn. Um, but the thing that's key about our product is we use, like, an ancient seed. Um, so, we've actually – we have modified the wheat seed or the wheat plant itself um, so that we get more of that endosperm, which is the white stuff. We know it as white flour. Um, and that's kind of what our body processes like sugar. Um, what I'm saying is we use like a, like an old, like an ancient seed. Um, so there is more, there's less endosperm, there's more fiber, there's more bran. And we're, what we're doing is crushing it and putting that back into the product. This is fascinating. I knew nothing about this and I don't even know words you're throwing at me, but it's, um, 
how much have you had to learn to this job is you go to the science science lab did you have to like you, yeah man i mean it, it's crazy because like we're kind of learning on the fly right so yeah. we bought we took a chance on this uh big lot of wheat and realized pretty quickly that we couldn't use it for bagels um so <laughs> we uh, pivot yeah we had to like pivot on it uh find some other wheat find some higher protein wheat First of all, figure out that that was the problem, then find some f higher protein wheat, and then decide what to do with all this wheat that we had that we couldn't use for bagels, right? The main product that we had. So we created a new product uh, that we could use it for. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of learning. I'm still learning. It's, yeah, it's a crazy business. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it, it is one way to learn, just diving right in. And, um, you know, it, anyone on your, like no one, you said that nobody had experience on your team, even in this field at all. Like no pun intended. No, no. So I, I do like, uh, most of the financials, uh, John does sales. And then we have, uh, the former chef from be good who does all the food. So, um, I guess there's a little bit of experience in the food world, uh, but nothing with kind of like milling our own wheat. Nobody, nobody's really doing this. And where can we, um, just for our listeners that like, okay, I'm going to be honest, these pretzels are pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, I would never have noticed that there's, um, no GMOs. Um, no, but, um, where can we, where can, uh, people buy these? Yeah. So we're in, uh, all 42 Whole Foods in oh. the North Atlantic region. Um, so that's basically the Northeast. Um, we're also in select Roach Brothers and, uh, some independent markets throughout New England. Okay. And the bagels as well? Bagels, same thing. Yep. Okay. And you also brought us, we are not going to, we haven't tried these, but the whole wheat tortillas. Yeah. So we Ooh. also make tortillas. Okay. Uh, just to bring you back a bit, and I'll, I'll, I won't get too into detail. The reason why we chose the products we chose uh, was we surveyed the grocery store and uh, we looked for like the categories with the least amount of whole grain certifications. So bagels was one of them. Uh, tortillas was another. Um, and pretzels was actually another. So we had a product that was supposed to be a soft pretzel, uh, but we couldn't figure out the packaging. Uh, basically what would happen was we would make it, we would pack it in a bag and it would get really soggy and it was mm -hmm. kind of gross. Mm -hmm. So we nixed that, um, but somehow we made our way back to a hard pretzel. So, so there's no one else. You're saying that you found basically the categories that didn't have any other. There's whole not grain. no, but there's there's Very less com yeah less yeah. competition. Like if you go to the cereal aisle, there's like a thousand cereals with a with a hundred percent whole grain certification. Um, so we figured you know flour can be used in like a ton of products, um, whether it's baked goods or pasta or you know the tortillas that we make. Um, our theory was like, let's try and get into a place where there's not so much competition and stand out. And then we can make our way into the other categories. Gotcha. Um, so, th okay. That's another part of the business. So you got, you, you're making these retail, you're making these products, selling them in uh you're selling them wholesale. in whole foods. Yeah. You're also making the flour. Yeah. Supply. Yeah, so what, so what we what do other, some wholesale. What um, other chefs, what other chefs, plug any other chefs you're working with. <laughs> Throw some names out. Yeah. Oh, you guys like Name chefs, job. right? Name job. Yeah. You guys like chefs? Yeah, this is a chef podcast. So uh, we work with Flower Bakery. So Joanne ooh, Chang. Ooh, love, love Flower Bakery. Yeah, they use our flour to, uh, uh, they make a banana bread, I believe, with it, um, and some cookies. And then uh, Sofra Bakery actually uses ours. Oh, Sofra, she, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's Mora. 
She's uh she's up for James Beard this year. Wow. For for pastry chef. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's a big deal. And then uh Ken Oranger and uh Jamie Bissonette at Copa. Ooh. Gonna use it for flour. Uh Pico, small <laughs> small uh pizza restaurant in the south. Oh, Bend. Pico's great. Pico's got yeah. great pizza. Excellent pizza. They use our flour. Um and Your Mike's going to Copa tonight, right? I actually d- just yeah, it just has it that I uh I, I am going to Copa. If you ask, if you see Jamie, uh ask him why he ditched us last week. Oh, really yeah, okay we got some beef trouble in paradise <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to come out to the mill he never came he never showed okay all right so he uh, okay just, well you know what we'll see you know, maybe i'll just he didn't, you know, he didn't do it on purpose bring but yeah bring the pretzels. should we call him now <laughs> no no that's all right. call him. No. Uh-uh. no that's okay that's all right. all right we won't put him on the spot he's he's preparing for you know me coming tonight so that's fine um <laughs> can't, can't let him distract get distracted yeah, can't get him distracted he's in the kitchen but that's re- it is really cool that it seems like yeah, that like is, cool. is a Wait, kind of else? a who else yeah do you have anyone else you named a bunch of people i mean oh so we we've actually partnered with uh trillium uh and they made a beer out of so when we create uh the bagels we can't use all of the bran that is produced um basically bran is super sharp and if we put all of it back in, it cuts like the gluten, so the bagels would have no rise. So we have a small like waste stream that uh, we either use in the pretzels or we compost. Um, we were actually able to give it to Trillium, and they made a beer out of it. They call it Past Present Pretzel. We use the um, we use the spent grain from that beer to then make a pretzel. Uh, Tony made a pretzel at the mill and like a soft pretzel with the spent grain and we sold it at like one of their locations along with the beer so that's a pretty impressive roster that you got there honestly you like got great chefs got good restaurants yeah so i mean it's high quality flour it's it's expensive yeah Um, right so is that i guess now moving kind of shifting towards the future what you know with all these different lines of business I don't know how much you want to disclose, but where, you know, what in general direction are you leaning? Is it more, do you think like the investment's going to be more on supplying the flour and, and, and kind of going down that road? road? No. So I think, um, I think we're going to try and limit the supply on the flour, to be honest with you. Um, we do want to continue to supply high-end chefs um, and locations like Flour Bakery and Copa and, and things like that. They're, they're able to kind of support the costs that we need to charge in order um, to kind of make it work. Uh, but just so you understand, like traditional flour is like maybe a high end flour is like 30, 40 cents. Our, the wheat berries that we purchase from Maine are 68 cents a pound. We then have to, you know, manufacture that into flour. So it can be upwards of a dollar with all the packaging and labor and, and manufacturing that has to go into it. So, uh, you know, that's three X the price of normal flour. So, not everybody can kind of support that, um, but I think we're we're sort of slowly transitioning to more of these CPG products or these grocery products. Um, and CPG is consumer packaged goods. I say that a lot, Lingo. and I think like people yeah, yeah. know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I think that's sort of like the future. Um, and obviously, like the the high end chefs and and these notable chefs are kind of backing our flour for what it is and like the the great thing that it can produce. Nice. So you're growing the you're grow. It's like a good way to grow the brand because people now can see the brand in the stores. They yeah. kind of trust it, and then you're also growing it behind the scenes with the chefs. So it's kind of like a do like a two headed effort there. Yeah, 
yeah so we'll see we'll see like how that kind of develops as we expand to new markets um so yeah that that's sort of the play we're we're moving to new markets yeah what are the new markets what do you got so we got uh we are opening in hudson yards uh the Huge. new whole foods in new york city yeah so just went to hudson yards great great spot yeah it's uh a lot of good food out there um we're really excited about it we're really lucky uh, they're they're opening like a flagship store, uh, Whole Foods is, and we'll be a part of that opening. So we're we're super pumped. Something you uh you just kind of brought up uh the whole um the the price of your flour. I do think that also coincides with chefs now that like not only like don't mind paying a little bit more for a better product, but also like to know sort of where the product's coming from. I'm sure you meet a lot of chefs who like that. Like even though they're paying more for your flour, they kind of like, they've like know who you guys are and like they're supporting like a business that's local to the area. And like every, everyone is always, you know, stressing that in the industry. Like they're not just buying the flour from a place they don't know. Right. Yeah. So that, that was kind of the idea behind like the, uh, the mill supporting the local food system. It, it basically like if, you know, a thousand years ago, you would go to a town and they have a mill and everybody would come and they mill their grains, whether it's flour or corn or, and, and it just kind of was like a collaboration. So that was kind of like the idea behind that. But yeah, for sure. Chefs are looking for local products. Um, they're looking to know where their products are coming from and, and who's supplying them. So one thing I want to go back to that you mentioned early on was about how when you like the genesis of this idea was that there's a lot of flour out there that is kind of it's it, it's not it, it has created a, a the the gluten intolerance. You're gonna ask me the gluten free. I gotta get the gluten free question in. What have we created? Have we created this? It, have flour company has flour you know, companies created this problem? I think so. Like I think um, you can't if you're celiac, obviously. You can't eat our products, but if you have gluten uh, sensitivity, you can, or I shouldn't say you can, you have to try on your own risk, but, um, just go crazy. <laughs> Joe said it was okay. Go crazy. Yeah. We have, we have an expensive, we have an expensive <laughs> oh lawyer. Yeah. So I'm building up that bill. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what we have found is that people that are gluten sensitive have been able to eat this product, um, and have no issues. Same sort of deal with people who are gluten sensitive. They go over to, you know, Italy and they say, oh, I ate all the pasta there and never had any issues. Right. Um, There's two things that I think contribute to that. First is we're not we're using organic grain, organically grown grain. So there's no pesticides, no herbicides in our product. Um, So you're not eating any bad stuff to begin with. Uh, The second thing is we're milling it ourselves. Um, So there's fiber, there's bran in there. Um, I think a lot of people have problems breaking down the gluten itself um and the reason being is we're just ingesting gluten there's none of that fiber brand to kind of break it down in our stomachs um to go along with that so uh you know the whole wheat product that we supply does have that which helps your stomach break it down um and i think you know you shouldn't be afraid of flour Mm -hmm. you know unless you're celiac you have celiac unless you're a celiac yeah are you, you are you not a celiac or is it you're not a, like I that's not no a idea. person i think I it's know. right i don't know i don't know. I've always i think you have celiac right? yeah, yeah. i think you that's someone that has celiac right right i should know that um okay and yeah, any any gluten-free products on the horizon no man we're we're full of gluten <laughs> it's like the, right after you said that whole thing where you're talking yeah, about seriously. how passionate you are like no, full i just of i think like i think 
that's where the market is headed, right? Like all these companies have these gluten-free products um, and you kind of see it with like the faux meat products as well. I don't know, man. I don't believe in that. Like I, I, just I, think- I hate when people that don't have celiac do that. I think that's what creates the problem, you know? For Yeah, and I think like, uh, I just, I feel about this in food, like my food, like how I feel about food in general is like, the way we had it before was fine. Like, you know, 100,000 years ago, people weren't like, you know, getting hurt off of food. And people were living long lives and, and they had nutritious diets. And like, we've changed it, you know. Um, and I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if we have to like do this gluten-free thing. I know you, you did actually, when I went to go take a bite of this bagel, you said this has tons of gluten. And I it a little worried me a little bit. I don't even have a gluten allergy. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to bite into I some know, crazy I know. There's a really gluten. bad connotation. Right. It. it is kind of funny the way that works. Um, but where, but, the, where there's like, uh, where's that, where there's that bad connotation, there's obviously opportunity. And we think we can kind of exploit that. I think you'll see it in some like, um, you'll see it in some fitness magazines now like you need to ingest healthy carbs um and so like we're we we think we're on the front end of that it'll it'll turn around it gluten-free is kind of like a food fad to me um sort of like paleo and all those kinds of things but unless you're celiac don't give me yeah, that that look. we're gonna have that disclaimer if an allergy it's okay um i guess but there better be gluten-free options. but you can see like with all these uh there's like crazy allergies you can't bring peanut butter to school anymore i know it's yeah it it is getting a little ridiculous the one thing i did mention last podcast is is the is the tasting menu has i think that that i want to move towards more of a tasting when you go out to dinners having the cater having it catered to your allergies so i don't have to worry about it that that'd be nice Every place you go now, we were talking about this earlier. It's now weird if they don't ask your allergies before your dinner. But don't you think like we've transformed food so much that like it's caused all these allergies? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think we created this problem. Peanut butter allergies twenty years ago. No, you're right. I think that part we're part of the problem. Um, and I think it's not going to make it any better if we just kind of like oh try to accommodate every single person's allergies. But at this point, it's like what what are you supposed to do, right? Just let those people, you know. know. I know. So like our whole thing is just we're doing it the way that we used to do. It's better for you. It tastes better. It's super simple. It's not a complex idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean it's it's awesome what you guys are doing. I love the branding. Um, I, I love it. Are you are you any other food items? Are you, you so right now you got the the pretzels, the bagels, the pita, the flour, or the whole? I mean the tortillas, the, tortillas, the flour, man. not pita. Um, uh, we anything might have else? A pita. Oh. Uh, we got the guy who makes our tortillas wants to make a pita for us. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We could do anything. We can do anything. It's it's just more of a matter of like how much uh, capital do we want to expend on packaging and you know the supply chain and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we are coming out. So along with the pretzels, we're coming out. This is breaking news. You ready? Oh, breaking news! Okay, breaking news! This is we're why coming I- out with this product called Mighty Dippers. It's oh. a snack pack. It's actually a collaboration with Cedars Hummus. So it's going to be it. our pretzels with Cedars Hummus. There's going to be a plain uh, hummus and also a chocolate hummus. And chocolate hummus? Yeah, it's going to be pretty sweet. Whoa. 
that's chocolate hummus. Chocolate that, hummus. Okay. So you, but you didn't bring that in for us. I didn't bring that. It, oh. It's not created yet. So. Okay. All right. But, but that's breaking sounds, news. Okay. Breaking news. All right. That's, I feel good. We it's broke good some news on the podcast. podcast. Pretty good. I feel like we're going to get picked up. You know, this is going to be like really huge. Do you care if we, t- I mean, you, do you want, I mean, this is it's big news. news. We're, we don't have to bleep this out or anything. No, you I don't. Good? I think you're okay. okay. You can okay. bleep out the rest of the interview. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Just that part. <laughs> um, any other, any other questions? No, I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I love the product. Um, I, and it's again, not just cause you're sitting right here and you know, Brandon, I feel like I love what you guys are doing. Um, I, I think, uh, again, I'm always looking for new bagels. So this is now my go-to, um, and ever, yeah, Lynn mass and, uh, there literally every day and everyone's, um, everyone should check this, this stuff out. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, you know, I feel like you want like a high quality product. One mighty mill. Yeah, go into the where where you find your bagels and bread in the uh, in the Whole Foods aisle, wherever yeah, the aisle in that's the bakery, in. Yeah, in the bakery aisle. Yeah, yeah. and uh, look at look for them. I, I I I just picked up a bunch of one mighty mill bagels and pretzels actually, in preparation for this to test it out. No, you know what I'm gonna do, honestly. Um, I'll, next time I'm at Whole Foods, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stand near where the bagels are, and I'm just gonna say very loudly, you know, I heard this Mud Mighty Mill really good. Um, people are gonna be looking around, like, all right, what is? Oh, does he know something we don't know? Um, and then we might get some extra sales, get a little, you know. We need it. We need all the sales we can get. And that's why you're on the podcast, because we have 10 followers. So all 10 of these people are going to love your I product. Think, I think I'm one of the followers. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. As long as you promote this out to all your celebrity chefs that you're friends with, I think we'll be fine. So, okay. All right. All right. Th- thanks for coming on the show, I'll call Joe. call Jamie up. And yeah, call Jamie up. Call him. Call him up and uh, yeah. tell him about the podcast. And uh, well, I can't distract him. Cause Joanne Chang, if she can Joanne come on, Chang. that'd be great. So, yeah, we'll try to get some guests out of you but uh yeah thanks for coming on joe you got it guys thanks for having me thanks all right so that was joe one mighty mill that was a great interview really great interview dropped some great chef names maybe we can you know brandon post show maybe we can try to get some phone numbers yeah i've been we're i've been working joe for it we were about to call jamie bissonette but you you shut that down pretty quickly i wanted to call him i mean yeah i'm i i am seeing him later so we'll (laughs) we'll see it could be awkward we'll see see, yeah get get china you you do some work on it but yeah you know for i you know that that was just so interesting to me i'm sure i'll lot of our listeners will find it interesting just you know one mighty mill their whole story and and what they're about and and their products where you can buy them you know go check them out guys because yeah no, i mean you don't hear things. many many mills there's not that many around i read there's just none left Mo- right. mills that actually make their own flour and it's it's it, you know support the local lynn business go out there Absolutely. take a road trip on a weekend just go out to lynn get some pretzels some yeah, sesame right. bagels yeah bring so- some to me yeah, right. I know. We um, need it. I, you know, and it's about time we had a good bagel option because yeah. I was really, the, the city was really lacking. That. And I'm really glad that we need to get more food people on that will bring us food because this know. is great. That was now amazing. we just have a bunch of bagels. Sorry if anyone had to hear me eating pretzels yeah. during the interview. <laughs> I was shoving in pretzels and bagels and everything. That yeah, it was so. great. Now we'll waddle our way out of here. So so, uh, so that was uh, that was good. that was it for this week. Are we going to do bi-weekly, Brandon? I think uh, we'll gonna... try to go for next week, but you know, most, yeah, I got, I'm actually getting my wisdom teeth out Monday. Oh, right, right. Okay. So I don't so, know how much talking 
talking I'll be doing. Okay, um, right, Brandon. Week. Pray for Brandon. Yeah, pray for me. Going in for his wisdom surgery. I know. I'm way too old to be doing this. Bro. I know. How? I mean, I feel like I got mine out like 20 years. I know. I'm Come just on. blaming my dentist for that one. All right. Um, so yeah, I probably in two weeks, most likely. Actually, you know what? Jacko might be not that far behind you. Her oh, wisdom that's teeth. right. I think they're starting to. Okay, so, yeah. I'll give her so, some tips. We're gonna be a big, big year for wisdom teeth. Big year for wisdom teeth. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll see you, see you in a couple weeks, guys.